0: Welcome to the dipshit files, episode sixty six. That's Mrs. Scriptkeeper. I
1: am right here.
0: And I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper, so he's also.
1: right there. I'm
0: here. <laughs> and we what kind of stories do we have today?
1: We have some really fun human stories, epic human stories.
0: It's not about Sasquatch.
1: No, 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 no. These are these are some pretty outlandish stories that actually happened. Extra-
0: extraordinary?
1: Yeah, they're it's kind of a follow-up of our epic tales. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, let's open up the file and enjoy the human crap.
1: Life can often be strange, full of twists and turns with unexpected stories along the way. And some parts of history are unknown to the world and can have creepy twists that you'd never expect. Mm. What we're going to cover here in the beginning is some historical epic stories so the first one i named the unsinkable violet jessup well let's dig right in
0: story one it's about some bad luck with boats
1: the story of violet jessup is just one example of some of the weird stories from history that are out there uh, that most of us don't even know about violet was born in argentina to irish immigrant parents in 1887 Violet's life was a constant game of survival, a pattern that continued well into adulthood. During the first few years of her life, she contracted tuberculosis and was extremely sick. The doctors warned her parents that it would likely take her life. However, Violet defied the odds and survived going on to live a happy and healthy life. When Violet was just 16 years old, her father passed away And the family moved to England in the hope of having a better life. Catherine, Violet's mother, worked as a stewardess aboard uh, commercial ships, while Violet took care of her younger siblings. Now, Violet admired her mother's profession. And after leaving school, she got a job as a stewardess, proudly following in her mother's footsteps. Little did Violet know that this job would take her on a crazy journey that would lead to one of the greatest survival stories in history. Oh, shit. In 1910, Violet began working on the RMS Olympic, something that she was extremely proud of, given that the ship was the largest civilian ship at that time. For the first year, everything went perfectly. Violet, uh, she enjoyed her job, and she was looking forward to the future. Then... On September 20th, 1911, Violet's life was changed uh, in an instant. On that day, the RMS Olympic crashed with the HMS Hawk in a freak accident. Now, luckily, no one was fatally injured, Hmm. and the ship made it back to Southampton without sinking. The incident had shaken Violet, and she refused to talk about it with anyone, and she even declined to talk about it in her memoirs. Now, she continued working on the RMS Olympic for another year. It appears that while the incident had uh, scared her, shaken her a bit, she yeah. hadn't, it hadn't put her off of being a stewardess on the ship. Now, Violet had already survived one boat crash, so surely she wouldn't be so lucky or unlucky to, for a, a second event, right? right no. <laughs> that's, that's where I discovered that I was wrong when I was like, well, that's the end of the story. On April 10th, 1912... Violet proudly boarded the RMS Titanic. Oh, goodness. She had no idea that her dream job was about to turn into, well, a living nightmare. Now, as we know, on April 14th, 1912, the RMS Titanic hit an iceberg and sank in the North Atlantic Ocean.
0: And Celine Dion did something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> something. something to do with it.
1: In an unbelievable plot twist, Violet survived the sinking of the Titanic nice. by jumping onto a lifeboat. Now, the lifeboat was later found by search crews, and all of those aboard were taken to New York City. Mm. Shortly after arriving in New York City, Violet went back home to Southampton, shaken, but again undeterred from sailing the seas. Now, hmm. I I love the ocean. I would be deterred yeah, from me. sailing on a big boat at this point. I'm
0: deterred by her
1: story. <laughs> Four years after the sinking of the Titanic, Violet joined the Red Cross and worked on the HMHS Britannic, which had been converted from a commercial liner into a hospital during World War One. Mm. Now mysteriously, the HMHS Britannic also sank no on way. November twenty first, nineteen sixteen. Right? Oh, yeah. Historians and scientists are still baffled at what caused this event to happen. But as the event unfolded, stewardesses, patients, and other staff members began jumping into lifeboats desperately just trying to survive this this sinking ship. Mm. Now in her memoirs she wrote quote, the white pride of the ocean's medical world dipped her head a little, then a little lower, and still lower. All the deck machinery fell into the sea like child's toys. Mm. Then she took a fearful plunge, her stern rearing hundreds of feet into the air, until with a final roar she disappeared into the depths. Fuck. Uh-huh. Violet barely survived the sinking, and it wasn't until a year later that she discovered that she had actually suffered a fractured skull. That she
0: discovered that the ocean hates her.
1: <laughs> Even after being involved in three ship incidents, Violet continued to work as a stewardess. The shit, the fucking ocean oh, hates you. I know. They it wants to eat you. Violet is a pl- is a flower for the land. <laughs> she not continued. A sea flower. She continued working as a stewardess aboard cruise liners and large ships. Many considered her the luckiest woman in the world. Um, eh. And she even picked up the nickname Miss Unsinkable. Okay. Violet passed they away. They were all sunk. I know. Well, th- she wasn't, though. Man. Violet passed away in 1971 at the age of 83. Nice. Yeah. Well, she's, you know, she's no longer here, but that so th- is a crazy story. Three. Three.
0: Three. Fuck. I know. Including the Titanic. And
1: she kept getting on the fucking boats. And
0: the Encyclopedia Britannica. The,
1: the Encyclopedia Boat. That's right. <laughs> All
0: right. Next next one?
1: Yeah, we, we have another one. This is another, uh, another boat story. All right, let's do a boat we, story. We got another boat story.
0: Time for story number two. Did you know you were going to learn about boat shit? In
1: 1956, the SS Andrea Doria, which was a beautiful ocean liner, was considered to be Italy's largest, fastest, and safest ship. It was
0: like a Ferrari on the sea.
1: Now you know when a story starts like that, mm-hmm. shit's gonna get weird. Yeah. When when you say it's the safest, yeah. You're but those things would not be what this ship was remembered for. Oh. On July 25th of that year, the ship was sailing towards the east coast of the United States when it ran into some very heavy fog. And so, following procedure, the captain slowed the vessel down and turned on their fog whistle. A little while later, another vessel, the Swedish ocean liner called the SS Stockholm, entered the fog as well, but they were unaware of Andrea Doria's Position. Now, both vessels were using radar, but unfortunately, both vessels misinterpreted what they were actually seeing. Nope. So, neither of them communicated with the other. Mm. As they careened towards each other, uh, when visual contact was finally made between the two ships, it was too late. A collision was at that point eminent mm. at 11 10 p.m that night the bow of the stockholm plowed directly into the side of the andrea doria penetrating over 40 feet inside the ship before coming back out again
0: kind of sounds and, sensual
1: <laughs> the impact uh, it's a boat crash
0: uh, kind of what, is, what, was, what
1: is wrong with was you was it
0: bob the bob of the andrea Doria? it sounds kind of hot
1: stockholm
0: so, okay stockholm what is wrong with you? Swedish guy?
1: The impact killed 46 people on the Andrea Doria mm. and five people on the Stockholm. Man. When the Sorry. story broke, every major news outlet around the world picked up, picked it up, including the ABC News in the United States here. And the news correspondent that they chose to cover this story was a man named Edward Morgan. Now, unbeknownst to his coworkers... His fourteen year old daughter, Linda Morgan, was on board the Andrea Doria. Oh boy. And just before he got on uh, got on a, the air, he was informed that she was amongst the missing and presumed dead. Shit. This poor dad. Now there was virtually nothing he could do but wait for more information. So despite this this heartbreak and this burden he was carrying, Edward still went on the air and reported the story without ever losing his composure. And without ever mentioning his daughter, Hmm. but after he got off the air, another story began to develop about the crash. Apparently,
0: Indiana Jones was watching. He's like, get in my airplane.
1: (laughs) Apparently, a girl who was asleep in one of the rooms on the Andrea Doria uh, that experienced the the, the direct hit from the Stockholm woke up after the crash and didn't know where she was. And she began yelling, screaming for her mom. Meanwhile, a man on board of the Stockholm, the other ship, heard the girls yelling uh, and her screams, and he ran towards the front of the Stockholm, which is where he heard these, these, this sound, this and girl's this voice. Th- and when he, got, when he got there, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. Perched on the destroyed bow of the Stockholm was a bed. And on that bed was a relatively unhurt 14-year-old girl named Linda Morgan. Wow. It would turn out that when the Stockholm penetrated into the Andrea Doria, the bow of the Stockholm basically like scooped, lifted the bed that Linda Morgan was on, lifted it up and kind of dragged her into the ship. No way. And then when it pulled itself out of the Andrea Doria it brought that bed and Linda Morgan with it wow isn't that crazy that's insane so when Edward Morgan found out that his daughter was the you know so-called miracle girl he was so overcome with emotions that he would go back on the air and this time he would actually talk about his daughter and this insane story of Mm. survival he'd also talk about how hard it was to deliver the news when it was about someone he really loved oh shit Linda would make, he'd make a full recovery. Uh, She would make a full recovery. She only suffered from a broken arm, um, but she would actually suffer enormously uh, Mm. from survivor's guilt because her stepfather and her half sister were both killed in the crash. Mm. So she would have to undergo uh, psychological treatment for years to come. But she survived.
0: Yeah.
1: Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. She was in bed. The boat literally smashed her, shoved her through a ship, and she got hooked on the bow and pulled her back through again. That's so. I have no idea how that even works.
0: I don't either. They probably could do that a thousand times and it wouldn't happen.
1: I know. Somebody was. This is Is seventies. what is. This is. I think it was seventy-one that this happened. Let me look. Love boat. I know. I'm going to go back here. It was. Oh, it was 1950. 1956.
0: Love boat was in the eighties, wasn't it? I don't know.
1: Yeah, this was 1956 was when this happened. I'm okay. sorry. I got several different I all kinds of years in these stories that was here my and fault. get them all mixed up.
0: No, all right. Well, let's do another story, shall you we? You want another one? Yeah, let's do another
1: okay, one. Okay, you're going to really love this one.
0: In story three, Mrs. Scripkeeper somehow found a way to incorporate sports stats with Mr. Scripkeeper. Ah. All right, I got my baseball stats ready because I've been prepped for this one. <laughs> you got your stats? I got my stats ready. <laughs> I, I you know I'm, I'm just, I like this player, so this is cool.
1: Well, you're going to be pretty surprised with this story. I think it's going to uh, not be what you expect, but okay. I'm so glad you have the stats there to fill in some of the details.
0: Oh, yeah. you Just let me know when you want me to let it rip.
1: The stats.
0: The people want to know stats. (laughs) All right. People are highly entertained by baseball stats.
1: All right. So here's the story. Mm -hmm. When Conrad Rowland was a little kid, he was always on the go. Now, as I was reading the story, it reminded me so much of our own daughter uh, when she was very little. I actually had to buy her a harness, (laughs) um, which I thought was barbaric at the time until she was two and a half and she literally sprinted and ran in front of a car. Oh, boy. Um, I was living in Idaho Springs, Colorado at the time and it was on Minor Street. So the car was only going like, 10 miles an hour it's very slow so I could grab her out but
0: you know I think Scott Tech has some, pro- some products that could, you could probably use
1: she needed she needed a, a harness so anyways it reminded me of, of Con- this story Conrad Roland. alright one time when he was at the grocery store Uh, He was there with his mother. He leapt out of the cart and literally ran away from her. She found him stuck inside of a freezer. (laughs) After that incident, she made him wear bells on his shoes, Mm. Uh, which is a good idea. I wish I would have thought of that, but I didn't. Unless uh, you
0: can catch them when they're sneaking up on you and shit. Right.
1: Well, when they were out in public, uh, she had to make sure that he had bells on his su- shoes so she didn't lose track of him. But
0: Like a cap.
1: By the time Conrad was just four years old, he had discovered athletics. Mm. And instead of putting his energy into running away from his mother, he focused it exclusively on baseball, basketball, soccer, and tennis. And by the time he was 11... He was an exceptional all-around athlete. All right. And at the time, his school announced they were going to have a special guest speaker at an assembly. And it turned out to be the Hall of Fame baseball player Rod Carew. Rod Carew. Conrad was freaking blown away. He could not believe that he was actually in the same room with an actual, like, this professional athlete. Hall of Famer. Let alone a guy that had achieved the success that Rod Carew had.
0: 1977 MVP.
1: (laughs) So after this assembly, when he got home, it was all Conrad could think about. And how just incredible Mr. Carew was and how Conrad was gonna be a professional athlete just like Mr. Carew.
0: He's like, Holy shit, I just met this eighteen time right. all star. Right.
1: Stars seven-time in his batting eyes.
0: Champion. <laughs> Three thousand career hits. Three twenty eight career batting average.
1: For many kids, this would be just a phase. They'd really be really invested in sports and then, you know, they get distracted and their interests would go elsewhere. Uh, they kind of forget about it, but that would not be their. Uh, it wouldn't be their life calling. But for Conrad, the impression that Rod Carew left on him was so profound that he never wavered. Well, he was he, the
0: nineteen sixty seven Rookie of the Year.
1: He really did dedicate himself to becoming a professional athlete, hmm. and he would be successful, albeit in a different sport.
0: Probably didn't bat three eighty eight in nineteen seventy seven, leading the league with sixteen triples.
1: He became. <laughs> Okay, you understood the assignment, didn't you? <laughs> 128 runs, led the league. He
0: was MVP. He
1: uh, he became a professional football player oh. in the NFL. Nice. And in 2012, Conrad started nearly every game for the New York Jets hmm. uh, as a tight end. It was like his nice. professional career was going off uh, without a hitch. He was actually doing all the things that he had planned, but... In 2013, he injured his knee, which sidelined him for about two years, and even though he diligently rehabbed, I mean, he really got back to full strength, the teams, uh, they weren't ready to take that kind of bet on him, uh, because they were worried that his knee would just give out again, Mm -hmm. but he continued to uh, train extremely hard in hopes of landing another contract, but... His playing career was starting to uh, look a little bleak during the 2016 off-season. Conrad was back home in California visiting his family one night as his mother Mary was making dinner. Conrad was sitting at the table filling out his driver li- driver's license renewal form. And when he got to the section where it asked him if he wanted to be an organ donor, he stopped and he said, Hey, Mom, you know, are you an organ, organ donor? And she's like, yeah, I am. And he said, well, okay, then I think I will be too. And right. he checked the box. And Mary, thinking back, she remembers thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope it really never comes to that. I had that conversation with my son uh, a handful of years ago when he got his. He was filling out his driver's license, and he asked me about the organ donor thing. And it was a horrific question when you really think about it. So mm. <laughs> I understand what his mom's like, God. It becomes real. It Anyways, I digress. It's difficult to be
0: mummified if things are going out willy-nilly. It
1: makes it difficult to be a mother to a new driver, that's for sure.
0: Well, that's how mummy curses are made, <laughs> for
1: sure. Okay, so a few months later, uh, Conrad was working out at a local gym, getting ready for the next season, when all of a sudden he developed this intense, severely painful headache. He tried to keep working out, but he just couldn't do it. So he stepped aside, and he called his mom, and he told her... Uh, that he felt this like weird click in his head. It's
0: the mummy curse.
1: And then he felt this blinding, uh, searing pain behind his left eye. Mm. His mother told him he needed to go to the hospital right away. So that day, Conrad went over to the UCLA Medical Center, where they quickly diagnosed him with a brain aneurysm. Ooh, shit. Now, a brain aneurysm is the the bulging um, or the ballooning of a blood vessel in the brain. And if the aneurysm bursts, it's fatal about 50% of the time. Eesh. And for the people who do survive a ruptured aneurysm, most likely they'll suffer from significant neurological damage deficits. So after his diagnosis, Conrad remained positive. Uh, he assured his family he was going to, you know, kick this thing's ass. Mm-hmm. But on December 12th, just four days after he's admitted to, Uh, The hospital, Conrad's aneurysm burst, and he never regained consciousness. Mm. Now, because Conrad was an organ donor, the doctors kept his body on life support, and they called the recipients at the top of the donors list. One of them was a man in his 70s who, a year earlier, had suffered a massive heart attack and desperately needed a new heart.
0: And in 1977, he had 100 RBIs, didn't he?
1: (laughs) When he and his wife got the call... They were uh, they they absolutely couldn't believe it. His life was about to be saved. Hmm. They already lived right near Los Angeles. So they hopped in their car and they they raced over to the UCLA Medical Center. and shortly thereafter, news out of the operating room was that, that the transplant had been a, a massive success. The man Conrad's heart had just saved was none other than the Baseball Hall of Famer. Rod Carew. Rod Carew. That's a small world. Right. It's amazing. Uh, Conrad's childhood hero that had pushed him to become a professional athlete. Uh, at first, mm-hmm. the families had no idea, but eventually, this incredible link was discovered, and immediately the two families bonded. Like mm, okay. um, Today, because Conrad's family lives, uh, they only live at like twelve miles away from the from Rod Carew and his family. Mm-hmm. Conrad's mother was given a standing invitation by the Carews to stop by anytime she wanted to listen to her son's heart. Aww. Isn't that Aww. sweet? Yeah, that is. So not only did uh, Conrad give his heart to Rod Carew, but Rod Carew also got one of his kidneys. Oh, wow. Right. So, nice. um, yeah, that's pretty crazy.
0: That is. Rock Crew had a great year in 1977, folks. Batted 388, 14 home runs, 100 RBIs, 239 hits. That's a lot. 128 runs, led the league. Also led the league in on-base percentage OPS, 16 triples. Pretty good. Oh, you're good at what you do. No, I'm not. All right. (laughs) Let's do another story. Can we do another story? Let's
1: do another story. This one's... Next one's a little bit on the sad side. It starts out silly, uh, turns serious, but it ends up heartwarming.
0: Okay. Well, that's going to be... All right. Let's do it. Story four is about a fucking slug.
1: All right. So this next story I called the tragic slug incident, (laughs) which... It's okay. kind, of, kind of silly. Mm. So in 2010, Sam Ballard was a 19-year-old living in Australia. He was a college student and basically this awesome rugby player. Cronky fuck! His mother described him as being invincible. Now, one night, Sam and his buddies, they were all at their friend's house, having what they actually called was a red wine appreciation night. Mm. <laughs> I respect that. Well, they were basically, they sarcastically pretend to be uh, you know
0: wine connoisseurs and just booty, really tooty
1: whatever they d- only drink wine instead of beer mm. so after hours of drinking and joking around they were standing in the backyard uh, probably drunk on the patio when they noticed that a small slug was like slithering across the patio a floor and at some point one of the boys you know he spoke up and he's like hey I dare you to eat that fucking slug. No, you never... No. No, but no. 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 Of course. No one took him seriously. Everyone just kind of joked about it. But Sam of course, took it as a challenge and mm. said, you know what, I'm going to eat that fucking slug. No, but
0: not, no.
1: And of course, everyone's like, no, 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 no. Um,
0: it's probably fucking ven- poisonous. Well, it's probably poisonous and every, venomous.
1: Isn't everything in Australia poisonous yes. or venomous?
0: The trees are fucking venomous The and
1: air poisonous. is venomous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you bite it or you bite it, it bites you, you fucking uh,
1: fuck. Well, apparently them telling him that he wasn't going to do it, only encouraged him to do it man, so man. he walked over he picked up the slug no. and put it in his mouth and ate it no so these guys they're like oh my god he did it he did it you know and they were yeah, whatever impressed I guess I don't know that's something I get it uh, gross it's, yeah. gross well apparently for the rest of the night uh, he was looked up to as you know the guy that had guts to eat a fucking slug it's like slug. the
0: spit cup we've all done the oh, spit cup oh yeah. god like, it's, it's <laughs> There's some sort of respect level, but it's really fleeting.
1: Okay, so the next morning when Sam woke up, uh, he noticed that he had this weird ache in his legs. Now, he basically attributed the pain to the hangover, the wine hangover that he had. Um, Venomous and poisonous. Well, he expected it to clear by the evening, but by the end of the day, um, his hangover had basically gone away, but the pain in his legs had not. The following day when he woke up, the pain was not only still there, it had gotten so intense that he actually told his mom about it. No, it's serious. And her first concern was that he was developing multiple sclerosis. Oh, shit. Well, this is something, uh, the reason she thought that is because his dad had that. okay. So Sam was concerned about this too, but... He told her that he had eaten this slug.
0: (laughs) You're going to be really (laughs) proud of me, Mom. Really proud of me. And
1: he was concerned that maybe it was, I don't know, some sort of allergic reaction to that. Well, his mom said, you know, you got nothing to worry about. Uh, Nobody gets sick from a freaking slug or things like that. So they went to the doctor and MS was actually ruled out very quickly which was a huge relief to the Ballard family. But the doctor said they didn't really have a good reason for why Sam was experiencing this leg pain. And then he told him about this slug. Yeah, Sam brought up the fact that he had eaten this slug. And even though his mom didn't think it was a big deal, you just totally slapped your forehead. I love that. Uh, He was wondering if maybe this could be an allergic reaction. Well, the doctor said that off the top of their head, they had no idea if the slug had anything to do with his leg pain. But croaky probably A couple of days later the doctor called Sam back and said they'd had a chance to do uh, some research and they spoke to some of their colleagues and through gathering all of this information it looks like Sam had something called rat lungworm disease. Crocky fucking Isn't that horrible, it, bad rat things. lungworm disease? God. Damn. Okay, so I never heard of this. That's a evidently. Want to hear about that one? This is an infection most commonly found in rats. Jesus, uh, it's caused by a parasitic worm that can be passed down to snails and slugs if they eat rat shit. Jesus, oh. that it contains God, the parasite's larva. Oh. <laughs>
0: Don't drink from the spit cup.
1: Okay, so based on Sam's symptoms, which now included persistent dizziness and vomiting, the doctor the doctors informed him that most likely the slug that he had uh, consumed had been eating some rat poop was a carrier of the parasite. <clears throat> the doctor informed the Ballards that most people who contract rat lungworm disease
0: well, you are what you eat, buddy.
1: Do so from eating undercooked or raw snails. Uh-huh. And usually they recover without incident well, once the parasite eventually dies.
0: They don't usually eat a fucking slug in the Outback, you fucking... <laughs> it's not a bloomin' onion, bro.
1: Okay, so once a parasite dies, they recover. But in very rare cases, the parasite can penetrate the intestine... Mm-hmm. Traverse through the nervous system and, and then take
0: over the brain and start and walking around in a human body like an exoskeleton or some shit.
1: Burrow, oh, jeez! Oh, so and burrow itself into the outer lining of the brain, see, causing patients to suffer from a very rare form of meningitis. You can't. It, it was trying. It was and trying to
0: get in there. It's like right. I'm getting in the cockpit. Right. Quite the cockpit. <laughs> okay.
1: So this very rare form of meningitis can be deadly. Hmm. Okay. Jeez. So Sam and his family were told there wasn't much anybody could do to help treat his symptoms. So all they really could do was just to sit back and wait and see how severe his case was going to be. (laughs) And then he turned into a slug. Unfortunately, Sam's case was extremely severe. Just a few days after his diagnosis, Sam did develop this rare form of meningitis, and he ended up slipping into a coma For 420 days When he finally woke up He was paralyzed He wasn't able to speak And he couldn't eat without a feeding tube He required care 24 hours a day 7 days a week But the disease did not affect his mental faculties Oh shit He was just as sharp as ever Oh my goodness One of his best friends uh, His name was James uh, Galvin He went by the name of Jimmy Uh, He was there the night that Sam ate that slug. Mm. He said he went into Sam's room after he came out of his coma and told him how sorry he was, that he didn't try and stop him. Uh, He knew it was not a good idea, and he felt really bad that he didn't stop him from eating the slug. And although Sam couldn't speak or react in any way at all, he cried uh, because clearly he had understood what Jimmy had told him. Sam was eventually released from the hospital in a motorized wheelchair three years after being admitted. He would only live another five years before the infection claimed his life. Oh,
0: man. I thought there was going to be a happy ending or something. Well, and then he Sa- got super strength.
1: No, I know, right? Not, not, in, not in this world. Hmm. Uh, Sam kept a copy of the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places He'll Go. He kept it close to him uh, over the eight years following his diagnosis. Now, this book was Dr. Seuss's final salute, offering encouragement to children as they deal with life's inevitable obstacles. Over the years, as he struggled with his severe disabilities, his friends and family would read from this book, um, willing him to make the best of the challenges that he was facing. Mm. And then, as his friends and family said their final goodbye at his funeral, the book was read one last time. Uh-huh don't eat slugs kids yeah
0: that's definitely the yeah they should probably do a dr seuss type book yeah probably put that in ai
1: yep don't eat slugs don't eat, the slugs. Don't eat bugs
0: <laughs> i'm not eating the bugs
1: <laughs> well that's our
0: fourth story is, is there one more
1: there is another one. oh yes. let's do one more okay so this one this one is impactful okay i'm gonna try and read it the best that i can okay i named this one don't fuck with doug wells okay <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's go to it. This fifth and final story does not have the same kind of vibe as the others. You've been warned.
1: Around midnight on September 3rd, 1986, Doug Wells and his wife Kristen were pulling onto their street in western Montana when they noticed that there was this RV camper parked in front of their house. Hey,
0: as long as they don't knock on the door or call me on the phone.
1: Neither of them recognized the camper. So when they pulled into their driveway, Doug, he got out of his car and he walked over and looked inside to see if anyone was sitting there. And Mm. there was a man there. He was sleeping in the front seat. Okay. Doug didn't wake him. Instead, he went back to his wife. They talked about it for a second, and they decided that this man must have just, like, maybe randomly parked in front of their house. Uh, Maybe he got tired, so he just pulled over.
0: I mean, get off my lawn. And
1: that most likely the next day he would just drive away. So the couple went in their house, and they began to get ready for bed. Now, at some point, Doug, he gathered up the trash, and, and they were straightening up the house for the following morning, and he was taking the garbage out. And so... He went out to the trash bin. When he went out there, he, he saw standing in it on his front lawn. The, the
0: biggest s- fucking raccoon he'd ever seen.
1: No, it was the same guy oh, yeah, who was yeah. just sleeping inside the camper.
0: Just hanging out with the garbage cans. Just,
1: like, stuff. standing in his lawn.
0: Now, for real, get off my lawn. And so,
1: Doug, he walks over... Goes down the steps and he walks over and he yells to this guy and says, "Hey, Not your lawn. You know what? Do you what are you doing here? What and, you
0: doing, buddy? Right?
1: What you doing on my lawn?
0: And also, you should get the fuck off it."
1: And instantly, this guy put his hands up and said, "Hey, hey, I mean no harm." Uh, he said his name was Wayne Nance. I don't like Wayne. And he actually worked with Doug's wife, Kristen, at the furniture store. Creepy. Uh, in the town that they lived in, so Wayne went on to say that he happened to be driving down their street in his RV earlier creepy and he spotted somebody standing outside of the house
0: his reflection in a window
1: looking in their windows at
0: himself because he's creepy and
1: he knew it was Kristen's house and he looked in their driveway and he saw that Kristen wasn't home creepy Looked like nobody was home so he decided he would just park out front like a jerk to try and scare this person off and wait for Kristen to get back home
0: like a lunatic would Uh,
1: but by the time Kristen got back he had fallen asleep good. okay first of all, that story is is sus to me.
0: Yeah, I mean that didn't I do him mean, any favors. It's like, I'm, what are you
1: doing for my wife? Again, wait a minute, why on? are you? Why are you? How do you know where my wife lives? What's going on in your like, head, this bro? This is really fucking weird. <laughs> so Doug was totally caught off guard by this whole situation. The idea that there's this guy on his property yeah. talking about another guy that was. Also on his property Everyone needs to get the fuck off my lawn And my wifi So he asked Wayne Did you see this guy again After that first time You saw him And Wayne said no He hadn't But he also didn't have Any flashlights Or anything like that So he asked Doug to go in the house and maybe get some flashlights and the two of them could walk the property to make sure that the nobody was there. Right. Doug thanked him and said, Sure, well why don't why don't you come on in the house? That's not
0: what I mean by getting off the lawn.
1: And I'll go grab flashlights. So Uh, Doug led the way inside of his house. Now, as soon as Wayne got in the house, he shut the front door behind him, Mm -hmm. pulled out a metal pipe he was hiding, and and literally smashed Doug over the back of the head. Oh, shit. Doug turned Mm. around, and Wayne then hit him again uh, in the face. Oh, boy. Before long, the two of them were literally struggling on the ground. Fuck. Uh, Dude was trying to bash him in the head with a pipe. Kristen, who was upstairs... Heard this craziness, and she came running down the stairs, and she sees at the bottom her husband. He's bleeding uh, excessively from his head. He's covering himself up on the ground while Wayne, her co-worker, is standing over him, punching and kicking him. Now, before Kristen could do anything, Wayne noticed her on the stairs. He pulled out his gun. He had a pistol in in the back of his pocket or his pants or whatever. He aimed it at her, and he told her, get down here. and tie up your husband's arms and legs. Hmm. So Kristen, who's in shock, she's looking down the barrel of a a gun. She's just hoping that this is just a robbery and they would have their lives uh, spared. So she does as she's told. She walks down. Wayne throws her some rope and she ties up her husband's arms and legs. And then afterwards, Wayne leads Kristen back upstairs to the bedroom where he ties her up as well. Now... After that, Wayne went back down to the main floor where Doug was still laying there bleeding on the ground. He grabbed Doug by the legs and he pulled him down the flight of stairs into the basement where he tied him up to a pole. Where This is where he beat him savagely Oof. with a pipe. Holy fuck. Um, before, Wayne pulled out an eight-inch blade and just stabbed him directly in the chest. Whoa. Doug just drove the knife right into his chest. I
0: was not expecting all of this. <clears throat>
1: Then, when he pulled it out again, Doug basically just kind of slumped over. Wayne went back upstairs all the way to the second floor to check on Kristen. And he saw that she had managed to get kind of out of her restraints. And she was reaching for the phone. Oh she had a landline in her room. So he jumped on top of her. He got her restrained again. And then after he knew, at least he was confident in her restraints, he went back downstairs to make sure Doug was dead. When he got down there, he saw Doug was still slumped over in the same position, bleeding all over the floor of the basement. Uh, so Wayne assumed Doug had died, and Wayne, Wayne went back upstairs and proceeded to assault Kristen. Jesus Christ. But Wayne was wrong. Doug wasn't dead. So after Wayne went upstairs that second time, Doug, despite these horrific head and chest injuries... Yeah, fuck. He managed to wiggle out of his restraints. He, he basically hobbled over to the workbench uh, where he had a rifle laying because Doug was actually a gunsmith. Oh good. And so he took the rifle and he loaded it with the single round that he found on the table. He then walked over to the base of the stairs, raised his rifle, mm. and he made his way up to the main floor. Now, he didn't come in contact with Wayne, and he looked around the first floor. He didn't see him, and he, but he could hear his wife screaming upstairs. Mm. So he made his way to the next set of stairs and began slowly walking up with his wife's rifle raised. Now, at the top of the stairs to the second floor, there was a hallway that ran right and left. Uh, They both went out of sight. So as Doug was making his way up, he can hear off to the left, out of view, his wife screaming in the bedroom. And he can hear the sound of heavy footsteps running down the hall towards the landing where he's standing. So Doug basically positioned himself in the stairwell. He took aim about chest height with his rifle, and he waited for the attacker to show himself. And so as soon as Wayne came Come just literally blasting around the corner with his knife in his hand, Doug fired just one shot, just one, and struck him right in the stomach. Nice. Uh, Wayne fell backwards, totally shocked at what had just happened. He began to stagger and Doug, meanwhile, turned his rifle around like a baseball bat mm-hmm. because he didn't have any more rounds. Remember nice. there was only one shell? Yeah. And he just he starts walking down the hall. Smashing Wayne as Wayne Continues to stumble and fall and try to get Away from Doug uh, just smashing Him over and over again with the butt of this Rifle and finally he gets Away from Doug charges basically Runs into the bedroom where Kristen Is and he grabs his pistol That he had next to Kristen He turned around he fired Three shots towards the door where Doug is now standing and This motherfucker Doug (laughs) He is unfazed One round hits him in the leg. The other two miss. He doesn't fucking care. He just walks up to Wayne, totally unfazed that he's got a knife wound to the chest. He's been beaten about the head with a pipe forever, <sighs> bleeding can barely see walks up to this guy Shot. and begins bashing in his head with the butt of the rifle wow he hits him so many times that the buttstock of the rifle literally like cracks and falls apart and the metal of the rifle bends like the shape of an l wow and at some point wayne drops the gun obviously because he's being viciously beaten by doug and his rifle and doug sees At some point he's got it right well he drops he drops his pistol doug sees that he dropped his pistol he grabs the pistol and then fires the remaining rounds right into wayne's head oh jeez yeah don't fuck with doug's wife
0: i guess yeah <laughs> wow.
1: so police and paramedics uh show up shortly thereafter and doug and Kristen and their attacker wayne they're all rushed to the hospital Doug and Kristen would eventually make full recoveries. But as for Wayne, he would die the following day from his injuries. Wah, wah. So the police investigate uh, what Wayne. What the fuck was he thinking? Right. Well, they investigated Wayne Nance to see who the fuck is this guy. Yeah. They discovered that almost certainly he had been a serial killer oh, that God. was connected to at least six cold case murders from 1974 to 1986. Wow. But Because Wayne never confessed to any of these murders before he died.
0: Oh, he got his head smashed in.
1: Well, the true number of people he killed is still unknown.
0: Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy.
1: Don't fuck with Doug Wells.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that's the takeaway. I can't
1: believe he was like the Terminator. He was like losing blood and body parts and (laughs) he... (laughs)
0: <laughs> that guy should get a steak every time he goes into oh, a place man. that a sort of steak. It's just like, oh, fucking you, you did it, dude. That's crazy. That's what you're, you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> you did what you're supposed to do, but you fucking survived it. That's amazing. So that's the end of the story, right? That's the end of the story. And that's the end of all the stories.
1: We have for this week. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got more. About. I got more that I've saved, but that will come in the future.
0: We'll keep doing more. All right. Let's talk about these briefly on the other side of the thingy. Sounds good. Briefly, huh? Here comes the bloviation. Ah. All right, holy shit. <laughs> so the first two were boat stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That first one were being on is Isn't that insane? That's nuts. Three, three ships. Three ships. That sunk.
1: Right. I mean, And she kept going on the fucking boat. I, I think after the first one, I would never. Shit. I went on an airplane ride that had massive turbulence and stuff in this little prop plane from like Seattle to Portland or something. And hmm. I have never flown since.
0: Oh, boy.
1: Something that simple. Hmm? That well, was like in two thousand. Six, seven. We'll get you on a plane. It'll be fine. I'm just saying. We're going to go to Australia. That scared the shit out of me. And I I haven't been on another plane since. This woman, this bitch, Mm. keeps getting on the damn boats. Well, she
0: knows how to swim. You don't know. You'll never learn how to fly. (laughs) But what's funny is that they called her lucky. I know. It's like. No. No. That's the opposite of that's that. That's
1: like near miss. If you're
0: her friend, <laughs> she's certainly not a charm of luck. Right. Do,
1: if you're her friend, don't get on a boat with her. No. You probably don't want to get on like a horse. I, I or couldn't I couldn't imagine street. thinking that she's lucky. That's like near miss. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Not not that's, really. That's
0: confusing the yeah. premise a little bit that's there. It's
1: definitely not like, it's a, what is that, an oxymoron?
0: An oxy-something stupid. Is it
1: 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife? <laughs> Ironical.
0: <laughs> No one knows because Alanis <laughs> Morissette ruined the American language and wrong. all Thanks a lot, Alanis. our generation was ruined. Yeah. And then we taught our kids and they're, you see what's going on. Right, there. it's all weird. Right.
1: Thanks a lot, Alanis. It's so fucking the next, weird.
0: The next one was an Italian boat, mm-hmm. which pretty much had a similar story. Yeah. But it was Andrea, what was it?
1: The Andrea Doria.
0: Yeah, the Andrea Doria. And Dor- the Stockholm. And the person that... that you turned that into
1: some sexual thing for I feel some, bad about how that. How did you do that?
0: Because, you know, wieners. Um... <laughs> But she was just basically this boat penetrated. Bob Bob Stockholm was just getting in there, <laughs>
1: getting in, the, getting inside getting some, Andrea, In his business. He pulled out a bed, right, with a person in it. With a person in it, yeah. She and they made lived her, she, fourteen year old girl smashed through a boat and then pulled back out the other side. That is so crazy.
0: That's insane.
1: She had a broken arm, but yeah, and you know, her her psyche, yeah, was damaged oh yeah, because sure. of her family, but. Crazy story. Yeah,
0: that is. And then the next one was Rod Carew's story.
1: Yeah, isn't that awesome?
0: That was pretty cool.
1: I mean, it's sad. It is. For um, the family, Conrad's family, but the yeah.
0: kind of connection. I mean, That's it's organs amazing. and stuff. So some people are like, I don't like that whole mm-hmm. thing anyway. But yeah, I think it the is. The man
1: gave his life, his uh, this kid's life a purpose. And then he gave the man who gave his life purpose life back. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful Beautiful thing it
0: is, and then the mom thing more. So you listen to the heartbeat, listen to
1: the heart, listen to our boy's heart. Yeah,
0: that is pretty sweet. There's those kind of relationships mm-hmm. in the world that aren't very well known that occur mm-hmm. very crazy. Then the slug. Okay. Weird. No, uh, just the dumbest don't know. Don't eat the bugs. Don't
1: eat the slugs. I feel like Dr. Seuss.
0: Human beings have gone around the planet for many, many generations, mm-hmm. putting things in their mouth, right, so that you don't have to. You're standing on the shoulders of giants.
1: You know what sucks? What? We don't know what slug he actually ate. Additionally, it wasn't actually the slug that was the problem. It was the parasite inside the slug.
0: But taking that risk. Yeah. Because, you know. Because. Spit cup. (laughs) You shouldn't. I mean, we do that.
1: Because spit.
0: I don't know if girls do that or not. If, no, if ladies do I that.
1: never heard the spill. Oh, okay, sure, so I'm I never sure heard do. the oh, I never heard the pit up pit up spit, spit cup. cup story. Have you told the spit cup story on <laughs> the dipshit files?
0: I've told it. I've told it on oh, just a ride. Okay. Yeah. Was,
1: okay, y'all need to listen to just a ride. You know what episode it is? It was early. Oh. It was great.
0: yeah, it's a bad story. <laughs> but we all know the spit cup. It's uh, yeah, do everybody we? spits in the cup, do and we then though, at the end of it,
1: the women listening don't know the spit cup. Oh boy. Well, it's just—it's exactly what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I don't—I don't want you to tell it because I've got a. Hup. Obviously, my the back of my my Hup. gag reflex is a little sensitive. Hup.
0: A bunch of people spit in a cup, and then at the end of it, people are like, "Look at all that spit in the cup!" Oh
1: God, why are you, you're going to tell it?
0: And sometimes there's like a bug in there because some guys are like, "Oh, dude, I snorted in it, bro," and you're like, "Oh, bro." Oh. And then by the end of it, you're like, "Bro, I got fourteen dollars in my pocket, and you're a seventh grader that just went to McDonald's oh, and you, you spent know. all your money and you've got nothing left, and you're ready." you ready to have 40 oh. bucks in your pocket. you ready for 40 bucks? Are you pocket. the spit cup drink guy? Cup. Did cup. you did no, you drink it? I did not, but I participated in the spitting in it. Oh.
1: Yeah. Who drank the cup?
0: <laughs> I don't even know his name anymore. I don't oh. even know if he lived.
1: Who drank the cup?
0: Uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a basketball camp, and oh we were young. God. We were 7th grade, 8th grade, out there in Tico, Oaksdale. Oh, wow. Just driving around tico well, it
1: was, <laughs> that's a tiny little town yeah
0: we drove to a tournament mopped the floor with some kids from tico
1: <laughs> spit in a cup
0: and watched a kid drink it gave him 10 and bucks a piece obviously
1: somebody got also got a dried booger stuck in their teeth dude there was nasty Ugh.
0: stuff in that cup i was none of us were like please we were all like yeah do it and we we're like please ah, don't do it because we're telling everyone, high school's coming, buddy. Oh Winter is coming so for you, your social life.
1: So you can relate to the slug story then where they're like, yeah, do it. And then like, no, don't do it.
0: That's what, yeah. Mm. I really felt like, oh. oh, that was just one of those things like, hey, dude, <laughs> do the thing. And then it's like, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. Like, I remember stuff in the frat houses mm-hmm. and stuff where you're like, oh, dude, that, that guy yeah, fell don't, off don't the balcony. Yeah. And it's like four things down. Yeah. Four stories. All right. And the last one was don't fuck with Doug.
1: Don't fuck with Doug.
0: I agree. Yeah. But that was, I was not prepared for that. The the tone of that one was quite different from I the know. other. So it was just like, oh, God, oh God, this is a true crime right. horse shit. And it right. was, it was a serial killer. It was
1: a serial killer. Yes. And
0: this is the story of a guy that said, fuck that. I'm ending yeah. it now because mm-hmm. you're messing with my wife. Right. And it didn't kill my him. The family, fact that he didn't die. He got shot. being stabbed and shot. And so he was shot. Bludgeoned.
1: He was bludgeoned in the head and he fought on the floor. He was tied up bludgeoned again with a pipe until the guy thought he was dead dude stabbed
0: Rasmussen or whatever his name is
1: stabbed with an 8 inch knife through his chest gets out of his restraints finds a fucking gun (laughs) through the blood I've been in a situation where I couldn't see because there was so much blood Um, that's hard to do because it gets in your eyeballs and even blinking it doesn't really want to clear Crikey! Made it through the fucking up the stairs, then got shot in the leg. Yeah, just like and I've like been through a the, lot. This is I know. Stop he's me. like, don't fuck with me today. I'm having a bad day, dude. dude. And then literally killed the guy with the butt of his gun not instantly the guy had to languish in the hospital for a while before he finally expired from his injuries but yeah don't fuck with doug wells man
0: well which one of these is going to stick with you the most do you think doug doug yeah
1: doug that one's going to stick in my brain because i was i was (laughs) reading this story and i'm like cheering yeah. Which is bad because where is that the dark side of my? Yeah. You know, what are you I'm supposed just to like,
0: do Triginson? Fuck,
1: go get him, Doug. Yeah, I mean that's you the know? end of
0: any movie kind of thing, right? It, uh, speaking of end of movies, and I've said this before on oh, this no. network. What? And I know it's OJ Simpson, and and the connections to that are weird, but he did act in the 80s, and he was in a movie called Naked Gun, and goddamn okay. it, it's basically that scenario except for a serious version to a guy who wasn't a serial killer. What are you talking about? But he would... O.J. Simpson's character mm-hmm. in Naked Gun movies... Okay. Was... He would, like, fall into... A, he'd step into a bear trap. Right. Ah! Then he put his hand on on to brace himself in the bear trap. And then yep. he would be like a pan that's hot. And <laughs> <laughs> he'd fall and it would, like, knock a, a broom up his ass.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: and then a paint thing would come and jack him in the face. Mm-hmm. It was very Home Alone-ish. Yep. You know, that's kind of what happened to this guy. Mm-hmm. But... Through violent attack.
1: Yeah, through a serial killer. But like killer. three, four Delivering different it. Version,
0: yep. like times where it's like, okay, this hurts a lot. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go see if I can do something. Oh, wait, that hurts way more. Yeah. Okay. And he lives? And, and he he's, lived. Dude.
1: He full recovery, him a, and his wife. A
0: steak everywhere he goes. I know we're podcasters making light of people's lives, but a steak, if I ever see him, I'm buying him. Buying him a steak. Whatever he wants. Doug Wells. Whatever he wants.
1: And is buying his wife a margarita.
0: Fucking two steaks (laughs) she gets steaks too why the fuck doesn't she get a steak she doesn't get just a drink (laughs) (laughs) you guys both went through steaks yeah right they went through some shit okay now i feel like an ass because throughout a lot of this i didn't know where shit was going i know it's like people are
1: dying (laughs) you know uh, okay so for those that are maybe this may be your first episode you've never listened to us before first (laughs) of all first of all i apologize one star uh forgive me second of all (laughs) uh i tell these stories and he never knows the story that I'm gonna tell. So I'm telling, watch my
0: goddamn mouth. I,
1: I'm telling him these stories for the first time. So he's hearing them as you're hearing them. And uh I love it because sometimes you say shit where I'm like, oh, if he
0: only knew. Putting my foot in my mouth. Thanks for helping out, wife. You know, this does this leaves the house, you know, goes into the universe and it's on the internet forever. I know. Court of law i love you against, i love you too i
1: think you're awesome oh uh, well thank you, you handle yourself well
0: i think you're awesome and thank you for the awesome research as always you're welcome. And telling us these wonderful stories thank you guys so much for listening we appreciate mm-hmm. you this is uh i guess we call you guys dipshits i mean everybody else are scat cats battle scats no no no. All no. well
1: they call them dipshits i guess the listeners but really the true dipshits are in the story
0: that's true and us we're dipshits yeah. too I mean, we're, I think humans are dipshits, so it's kind of are just being redundant. Yeah.
1: We're just, you know, gathering together as just fellow dipshits. I, I feel like I've
0: called them dipshits a lot, and I apologize for that, because apparently you're serial killers and the baddies.
1: They're supposed, well, the dipshits are supposed to be the ones in the story. I don't understand this show. <laughs> I don't understand
0: the premise. <laughs> I don't know what, my, what am I doing? What am I, here? what am I doing here? <laughs> I love you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yep. Thank you to our Trusted Turd Triad. Yes. That's Don Fisher and Chris Brooks and Bodhi Sonata. And mm-hmm. they do awesome things for us. And you guys have heard us talk about them a lot. And we're going to talk about them forever because yeah. that's the way it goes.
1: Because we love them. That's
0: the right. And there's so many people manning the internets. Mm-hmm. That's very cool for us. We have our our meme army, mm-hmm. which I'm just going to start making nicknames for all of them. They're yep. going to get immortalized in stamps. The meme Scat army. Scatcast <laughs> meme army stamps are happening. <laughs> um, but so many people on the internet that are taking care of all the different things mm-hmm. that we can't from pj and mini on the reddit or mm-hmm. subreddit uh there's all sorts of people that have started groups
1: right we got lucifina with the uh the, the so fun- shipbox crafters we yeah. got david carpenter with the meme army we yeah. have uh uh hojay montez with the the, the jargon yeah. um oh gosh
0: there's no dipshit files group what the funkin chicken I know are, we not, are, are we not we're not looking here. into dipshits enough uh, we- i must not be We'll have to start one. I'm going to start one. Are We're you? actually going to start a reasonable party group to let yep. people that just want to tear people apart, just tear each other apart, just let them do that. Yeah. So that we can find watch the nugget that, of truth.
1: And watch that group get
0: destroyed John by in Facebook four in seconds.
1: Fourteen seconds yes, flat. Yep. That's fair.
0: Well maybe we can make it on other platforms. I think there's some there you could just, one.
1: You could just resurrect the group over and over and over again.
0: Because <laughs> they keep protecting us from ourselves and we never learn, Mr. Zuckerberg. We just you're you're giving us your wisdom and guidance, but we never learn. There's something about our stupid brains. We probably bought them at Walmart. Okay we appreciate you guys all the patrons mm-hmm. the liam the box set uh the liam the book is out the box set is also out and mm-hmm. uh, all that fun stuff we have the mrb Velveeta beauty box mm-hmm. Our first partnership with mrb on a real level besides the beard oil and mm-hmm. we've got lots of stuff coming but this is a fucking neat box yeah you can check out all that stuff skycast.com mm-hmm. i feel like i'm doing like three quarters of a sentence like, I'm, I'm pronouncing you kinda, you kinda half are. of the words yeah. right, and then I'm... Uh,
1: you're mushing them all together. It's one of those days. You, you don't have punctuation in your speech patterns. Not today. No. It's been a... It's a, You're you're just a giant run-on sentence. I was
0: a lot of characters yesterday.
1: You're a giant run-on uh, slurred sentence.
0: If I was more of a person that I'm familiar <laughs> with, at this point, I'm not myself as much as I am this fucking asshole.
1: I can't tell which one you are either.
0: I <sighs> know. Okay. All right. We'll talk at you in the future.
1: And it'll seem well, like the
0: present. It'll seem similar to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Five. Bing Bang